And before we go to Peter Dunn to talk about the interview on Q&A this morning with Winston Peters, it was a very heated interview between Winston and Jack Tame, and also uh, the issues for the Green Party with James Shaw and New Zealand First struggling in the polls too and, and looking at the minor parties, also minor parties in debates, all that sort of stuff. Uh, let's bring you up to speed in case you missed that interview this morning. So Jack Tame was asking why Winston Peters didn't speak up about his COVID-19 response concerns earlier on. Remember that Winston during the week, Bevo, was saying that he'd wanted the military there a long time ago. Uh, He wanted masks a long time ago. Uh, Here is Mr. Peters. I'm asking why you didn't speak up at the time. It's it's all well and good. It's all well and good to look back at things in in retrospect, isn't it? James, James, don't try and and be be a Philadelphia lawyer with me. I've been around a long time. Okay, so we got the first couple of Jameses there. Uh, Then Jack asking if any New Zealand First MPs were involved in the leaking of information about the Green School. To the best of your knowledge, Mr Peters, to the best of your knowledge, Mr Peters, was any New Zealand First MP, staff or associate responsible for leaking information? James, you won't (laughs) overtalk me. Can I finish? I was told the matters that I was to come here and be briefed on, and I did my best this morning getting up early to be briefed on them. Well, we'll get to those those matters, Mr Peters. So if you want that answer, I'll go out and find out for you, but I can't tell you now. Okay. to the best of your knowledge... Has any New Zealand First MP, staff or associate leaked information regarding the Green School funding? James, you're not a lawyer. <laughs> you're no good in a court of law in terms of cross-examination. Well, you, you are not stop an answerer pl- as, as it is silly, at the moment. Stop playing silly games. I'm telling you, if you want it's to know It's a very simple that, question, Mr Peters. Mis- yes, very, very simple, simple question, question, and, and I've asked you, very, you multiple times. To James, the best of your knowledge, you, you haven't answered answer, it. Okay, I'm, I'm, let me ask another I reg- question. I regret, I regret coming here this morning to stop off my campaign, to come along to see some junior thinks he's going to play Billy the Kid. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary uh, and, and I'm loving the Jameses I don't know whether this is uh, just my own it's immaturity mm. but, um, but Bevo I saw an article saying that Winston Peters called Jack James five times in the interview so I was like I'm going to count how many times that's at least a dozen isn't it I, I got 12 Jameses that's a lot more than I think five. he might have undercooked them too because there's one where he just spurted out about four in a row. James, 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 James. James. <laughs> I mean, it's a very efficient way. If, if your name is Jack yeah. Tame, which is, is Jack's name, obviously, that you just combine the first name with the surname, you get James. It's, is there still more? There, there's still oh, more. Oh, no. And, and Bevo, it really starts, if you can believe this, it actually starts to ramp up even further. Uh, Jack asking about the New Zealand First Foundation and the horse racing interview. Oh, sorry, James asking this. Since 2017, how much money has your party in the New Zealand First Foundation received from the horse racing industry? Oh, look, I'm not going to come on and have a star chamber of debate with you, James. <laughs> uh, because this is a duel of wits with an unarmed opponent, and I'm not that sort of guy. Again, we are six weeks from an election. I'm not having Mr. a duel of wits with an unarmed opponent. Integrity, integrity is much. a central issue for voters in this election. There will I be think voters a, I think who know that the New Zealand First Foundation has taken tens of thousands of dollars I think in donations and has given $10.5 million from the provincial growth fund to fund a synthetic horse racing in Christchurch. And you can keep on talking as long as you like, James, but I think it's a disgrace that a taxpayer owned operation called TVNZ is behaving this way, this close to the election. Well, I'm glad that it's we are both so concerned dirt. with taxpayer funding, Mr Peters. Well, Can you're you... not, but I am. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> I've got one last clip. Uh, okay, Bevo. are we going to do it? Let's get it out of the way. Are we going to? Because because the interview ends. Am I right here, Andy? That that the end of the interview is also quite extraordinary. Uh, but this is just a short clip. Here we go. Bit of a send off uh, from Winston. 
All right. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I mean, look, we're having a bit of a laugh about it. Um, I I think we're going to talk to Peter Dunn about this, of course, but actually, let's. We've got him him here. We've got him here right now, have we? Let's let's roll into it. Good afternoon, (laughs) Peter Dunn. You've been listening. What was your reaction to that quite extraordinary interview? Extraordinary. I actually thought the original was better, though, and that was the Muldoon-Simon Walker interview of all those years ago, you know, the one where he called him a nitpicker journalist and everything else. It reminded me just so much of that. Uh, But but the thing about both of them is all they show is that the person being interviewed is well and truly on the back foot. Yeah, actually, I just want to go play devil's advocate for just a moment, Peter, Um, that... Winston, in the interview, constantly refers to what his expectations were about the interview, uh, and that he was, you know, he'd been briefed about what he would be asked about. And it does seem, because he mentions it quite a lot. Do you think that there's there might be something in that? Is that he was expecting to go on and, and talk about a range of subjects with that outlined, and then they just snuck in a whole lot of other stuff on top? Or does it not matter? Well, B, and I think that's the one point he's got in his favour. Having said that, though, he himself said he'd been around a very long time, and I can recall interviews that I've done where you you go in expecting to talk about one subject, but having in the sort of the back of your mind, I bet they get on to something else, and you need to be prepared for that. And for him to sort of disingenuously say, if you told me you're going to ask me these things, I'd have had answers prepared, I think is really stretching it a bit, because an experienced politician by his own admission, like him, has been around so long, would have known exactly what was coming. Do we read anything into, I mean, obviously James rhymes with tame, I guess, um, so I'm trying to work out, one, whether he deliberately called him James, which I don't think so, but do we read anything else into it that this is clearly someone who's on the decline? You could, but I think it was probably having got into that mind frame, he was determined to continue. Mm. I like the fact that Jack Tame's changed his Twitter handle subsequently to James Tame. Oh, has he? (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just I'm checking that right now. I, I, I think I think Jack had, or James had a really good point, which is that even if these are questions that Winston Peters was not prepared to answer, he's still the deputy prime minister. So, so in that sense, shouldn't he be prepared to answer lots of pesky questions? Yes, he should. He's the leader of New Zealand First too, and as the leader of New Zealand First, he should be in a position, without having to be briefed externally to answer questions about the conduct of his own MPs, i.e. over the leaking. He should be briefed to answer questions about the New Zealand First Foundation and where that inquiry is at. I mean, these aren't matters that will be strange to him in his capacity as the New Zealand First Leader. So I think you can take it from that that these were just ruses on his part to avoid answering the question. He's had actually a pretty big week, Winston. Has it been um, a bad week or is it any victories in there for him with the criticising Labour ministers for the way they handled uh, the COVID thing against the, what he had been arguing within Cabinet? What's your take on all that? Some, he will get some support for that and others will see it as just the classic attempting to distance himself from the government that he's been a key part of for the last three years. But I think uh, his his... His line to uh, Mr. Tame, let's call him that, Dave, that, um, look, you know, we, 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 we kept the government afloat until Parliament, um, he got the wrong date because he got the first date it was resolved, mm. not today's date. But until that time and after that, it was all bets off. I think it's a little disingenuous too. People will expect that as a support party to the government, 
Mm. While he won't agree with us on everything, uh, during the election campaign, as the Deputy Prime Minister, a key member of the COVID Committee of the Cabinet, etc., you would expect him to be supportive of the decisions the government has taken and not turn around and say, I told you so, you've got it all wrong, I've been telling you in private this since the beginning. If you were advising Winston Peters on the best way to get New Zealand First out of their slump, what, what would they do? Because shouldn't he be shouting from the rooftops all the things they've achieved in government as opposed to now criticising both Labour as well as the Greens, as well as National, as well as ACT? I think it's a big gap available to him, as it is to every party at the moment, but no one seems to want to take it. And that is to say, look, if we were running the government, the future plan for New Zealand, here's how we recover economically and socially and health-wise from COVID. No one's talking about that. He could easily say that and say, if you don't believe we can do it, look at the things we've done over the last three years where we've been affected in this area, that area, and another area. I think that way he could secure his position. But he seems to want to go back into distancing himself from everyone and running the sort of the I'm 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 the, the not a not I'm the none of the above candidate. I'm not national, I'm not Labour, I'm not the Greens, I'm not ACT, I'm just the negative none of the above candidate, which I think does a disservice to New Zealand first, frankly. Uh, looking back on the week when uh, he was being interviewed by Mike Hosking and Mike was saying if these things were such a big deal, why didn't you raise them at the time? Uh, and you know, does Winston have a defence for not raising them then because of the, I don't know if it's described as the doctrine, doctrine of cabinet responsibility or ministerial, but the idea that whatever happens in cabinet stays in cabinet. Is that some sort of defence on that? Uh, if it's true, and I think he has another defence, uh, which he may not wish to admit to, but that, the fact is uh, during the, the level four lockdown, he was locked down in Auckland, so he probably wasn't privy to a lot of the decisions that were being made in the name of the government because there's only that key group of ministers in Wellington. But he's chosen to play none of those defences rather than turn around and say instead, look, I was right all along, they didn't listen to me, and they're wrong. Well, there's no evidence to prove that. Looking ahead to the election now, and I know we've put this question to you before, but what do you see happening to New Zealand first? Because really, polling suggests they have to win Northland. Win Northland or one other electorate seat, they've got no other realistic prospect. The polls say they're not going to win Northland. So I think they've got a very bleak future, which is probably why Mr Peters is becoming more and more, uh, what's the word, it's not just activist, but taking a much more antagonistic position. He's got to be dramatic. He's got to be sensational. He's got to cut himself out as different from everyone else uh, to to get that core New Zealand first vote out there. Bear in mind that he's, he's up against two factors. He's up against the factor that, first of all, he's been a government support party for the last three years, and government support parties traditionally don't do well at the next election. He's also up against the fact that a lot of people who voted for him, a significant number who voted for him, thought they were voting for him last time as a support partner for the National Party and won't have forgiven him for going with Labour. So he's got those two things to overcome, plus just the general fact that they've been around a long time, maybe it's time for a change. It's going to be harder. Yeah. Uh, can I mean, can he overcome this? Uh, and would last week's, including today's performance, have helped him with any gaining any support? I think the answer is yes and no. I think he can overcome it, but I don't think his current behaviour would lend in that direction. Baron, go back to 2014, where New Zealand first had been out of the House for three years, with a stumbling along about 2 2.5% in the polls, and then all of a sudden he claimed to have the tape recording of the meeting between John Banks and John Key in the Epsom Cafe. Never had it, of course, but claimed to have it and made all sorts of allegations about what it said 
and that suddenly saw him rocket on the polls, had pressed it across the 5%. So you could well see a situation like that emerge late in the campaign, and they could get a surge and go through on top. I think it's unlikely, but it's not impossible by any means. Because when you had your surge, 2002, mm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was less than a couple of weeks out from the election that you had the, the famous debate with the worm, and, and you were saying common sense, and, and yep. people responded to it. And so you went from about 1% in the polls to on election day 10 days later, almost 7%. Uh, and from memory, it was the Monday night of the week before, so about 10 days before the election. So things can happen very dramatically, very quickly. I mean, in our case, and I'm sure it would be a similar situation where he he'd have a surge like that again, you, you, you get the big surge and then you've just got to hold it. You know, you're on the top of the wave and you just don't want the wave to break. And that's the hardest But those last few days. So it could well happen. Mm. Uh, there aren't any immediate signs it's likely, but don't rule it out. Speaking of uh, people who've had a bad week, I don't imagine James Shaw's going to list last week as one of his finest, would he? No, I don't think so. And uh, the, the mystery to me is, uh, you know, the old maxim about when you're in a hole, stop digging. He seemed to want to keep digging and accelerating the speed of the dig, which <laughs> made things even worse. I mean, at the beginning of the week, there'd been this decision to give funding to this green school in Taranaki. And um, it looked like a bit of a, an unusual decision. By the end of the week, we discovered that the Labour Party wasn't happy with it, that New Zealand First wasn't happy with it, that James Shaw wasn't particularly happy with it, that he didn't quite realise that this was the type of school that he was funding, uh, but that it was all because it was COVID-19 related, uh, not education related. I mean, the, the whole thing just got worse and worse as it went on. And I think... How, how did he make it worse? Well, he kept talking, frankly. <laughs> just simply saying, yeah, we made the decision and I stand by it. Um, you know, and toughing it out, he kept trying to explain and justify. And remember, it was Ronald Reagan of all people that said explaining is losing. But didn't he also say sorry many, many times? Yes, yes I'm terribly sorry I made that decision. No, I'm not going to change it, but I'm terribly sorry I made it and I wouldn't make it again in similar circumstances. That just sounds a little bit too um, poised to be, to be true. He wasn't quite as candid as uh, when you get the information that he sort of used that as a holding a stick over the other projects as well. I thought that that maybe that if you're going to give an apology, it needs to have all the facts, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting too, because one of the things the Greens have always played on very strongly over the years, and they've got away with it, even though people close to the action have been dubious of it, is we are a party of principle. We always behave in the highest and most honourable way. In fact, here's Shaw admitting that in this game, he played just like every other politician, hard and fast. If you want this, then you'll give me that. It's nice to know he's human like the rest of us. But uh, it sort of shatters that myth yet again of the Greens being above all that sort of dirty, petty politicking. They're, they're, they're knee deep in it. We're going to take some talk back on this. I, I want to like say thanks, Paul, but I feel the, yeah. the joke is kind <laughs> well, of passed. Well, actually, just a quick, quick prediction, though, Peter. Do you think this has sunk the Greens? Bevo ignored the joke, by the way. Oh, I did. I was desperate to squeeze in the final picture. I'll reflect on it in the break. I'll just ask Paul. Um, look, it, it, it's gone close to it. Bear in mind, last election after the Materia Ture affair, they struggled to get much beyond 5%. In the same strong position comparatively this time. Hmm. So if, if they don't make 5% on the night, I think you'll say, well, this was the moment that the election turned for them.